Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing, and look, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports Sportsbook experts, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the pod today. We have a very special guest. I'm so excited to have him on today. He is a he is a betting expert. We're going to be talking about the Big Ten football slate that's coming up this weekend. He works for Bookies.com. He is one of the best experts there on the site. Dan Killerbridge is joining the pod today. Dan, how are you today? Hey, doing great, Joey. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's our pleasure. And before we maybe get started into the sports and the whatnot, maybe just give the good people a little uh, little taste of what bookies.com has to offer, your involvement with it, and uh, and how they can get involved too as well. Yeah, so I've been with uh, bookies.com for the past year now. And uh, what we do is we show you all the best odds you can find on any game that you want to bet, whether it's NFL MMA, tennis, whatever it may be, uh, you come to bookies.com and we'll show you the best price and the best value uh, for whichever team that you want to pick. And we've also got uh, myself and Adam Thompson doing expert picks um, above 60% this season. Uh, That's called Bookies Edge. So yeah, you can find all that and um, a lot of just content and betting breakdowns, futures, all that good stuff at uh, bookies.com. And with the holidays coming up, I think putting an investment in now to make a little bit of coin on the back end might be the perfect opportunity to hop in. Before we get into some big fo- uh, Big Ten football talk, first question for you, over under, Mitch Trubisky, 2.5 games the rest of the way this season. <laughs> we're coming up, we're taping this on a Tuesday. I think both of us are still uh, still smarting, still licking our wounds. We're both Bears fans. And uh, what do you see at the quarterback position future for the Chicago Bears? Yeah, nothing good. If you'd have told me in like, if you'd have said in week two or three that we would be hoping that Trubisky is healthy enough to start again over Foles, like, wow. Um, it's bad, man. I, you know, I would love if they could pick up a guy like Kyle Trask or get someone because, you know, Trubisky's failed. Foles isn't going to work out. Like, back to square one. Don't miss on Deshaun Watson or Patrick Holmes this time around. And uh, let's figure something out because 149 yards in an NFL game. I don't care who your quarterback is. That is ridiculous. 14 yards in the second half too, as well. I think we're learning some things, you know, bears fans, we can always get better. We can always learn a little bit more. A couple of golden rules, golden rule. Number one, know who your quarterback is before week one, just a no. thought, just a little piece of advice. And maybe uh, number two, Never have the nuclear option be Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> Break glass to save your season. Maybe not be MT10. Yeah, I'm already starting to look at guys like Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. You know, we'll see what happens with the Bears the rest of the way. They're obviously not going to get their eyes on Justin Fields and obviously not Trevor Lawrence. Out of Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Kyle Trask, who do you like the most just right now for perhaps, you know, NFL potential moving forward? Right now, it's Trask. I mean, he's, uh, I think he's still got great Heisman value at plus 250. Um, looks a lot like Joe Burrow to me. It's a tough comparison to make after what Burrow did, but statistically on pace, he's got that offense humming. Um, and for a guy who didn't start uh, in high school because he was backing up Derek King the whole time, 
just to see what he's done the past two years uh, have been amazing. Um, and clearly he's, uh, he's a big time talent. I'd love for the bears to get their hands on him, but also Zach Wilson looks great too. I mean, he's a, he's an intriguing one. Um, a lot of, a lot of those guys out there that, that are kind of fun to think about in their NFL prospects this year, for sure. And both those guys got pretty good size. I think Kyle Trask is what six five. I mean, he's a big he's a big dude back there. And I think what is it? I think Wilson's about six three somewhere in there as well. So right. I mean, those are dudes that are definitely have NFL ready body frames. And both of them are playing lights out right now. I think what they have a combination of what maybe two interceptions between the two of them right now, maybe three somewhere in that yeah. area. And so. The bear season now, it's like, you know, it's a certain series of doors that it can go down. One door is you lose as many games as you can to get maybe a bite at that quarterback apple next year. The other one is they play eight and eight, nine and seven football. You know, Mitch Trubisky, should we keep him around? He kind of played well. Should we stick around? And then the other one, which seems unlikely, they rip off five or six. They, they Xerox a five and one to end their season and maybe make it to the playoffs. Which door would you probably open right now as a Bears fan? Just end it. Just, just tank it. So, like, I mean, this team could easily be 0-10. They, every game they won, they were, like, either down 17 or they had a – you know, the Bucks game was really weird. Uh, but they were, like, one play away from losing every game. This could be an 0-10 team. Yeah, go warm up the car because uh, we're all going home. Uh, let's, start, <laughs> let's start getting our jackets on. But, hey, let's talk about some Big Ten football coming up this weekend. This is why I'm so excited to have you on. I uh, just want to get your expert analysis. Now, obviously, keep in mind, listeners out there, he's not going to be giving you the actual picks in the game. You do have to go to bookies.com and get in on their subscription model to get those excellent top-notch picks. But we are going to talk a lot about what you like and what you don't like, some of the spreads. And let's just start with the, uh, let's start with the easy one. Let's start with the poo-poo platter a little bit. We, are, we do want to talk about uh, Illinois, 1-3 coming in versus Nebraska. They're 1-2. You know, on on face value, looks like two bad offenses, two really bad defenses. Nebraska giving up 32 points a game. Illinois giving up 34 points a game right now. You know, how do you handicap this? And, and do you think the Illini has a chance to perhaps come out with a win? Lovey Smith's boys maybe winning this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely uh, have a shot. It's not, you know, Rutgers, the Rutgers win actually wasn't too bad based on what Rutgers has done. That was a, that was a promising sign. Um, and with, you know, Nebraska, they're tough to evaluate because now they've got Adrian Martinez back under center who gives them a little bit of a different look. Um, we've seen that in the past two weeks. Had a good first half against Northwestern and looked like they might have pulled that upset off. Um, and then they get the win over Penn State last week, obviously. But, I mean, you kind of hit the nose on the head uh, at the start here. Just two bad offenses, um, two bad defenses, not uh, – not great. I think the, the line is 15 and a half, um, Nebraska, which is, you know, a weird line. You don't see 15 and a half too often, which tells me um, Vegas isn't quite sure what to do with this one either. Because um, I could see, I mean, I, I could see, you know, a money line upset in this game. I could see a blowout. It, uh, you really don't know what to expect with these two teams. And the total is at uh, 59 and a half right now which is, um, I mean, it's a little higher than I guess you'd expect based on what these offenses have been able to accomplish this year, which is very little. Uh, but they also, you know, get to play each other now. So yeah. um, I think that, uh, you know, the 15-and-a-half the spread is, is really interesting. Um, I probably am not going to be glued to the TV for this one, unfortunately. <laughs> That's uh, why we're doing it first. It's the appetit, <laughs> the appetit, my friend. Yeah, well, my, my question for you is, yeah, it's, it's the something got to give scenario where 
which team can take advantage of the other team's deficiencies and, and, and make them really pay. So I guess my question for you is, you know, clearly every game's different. Every team's different. As a general philosophy, when you have this type of team, two teams that have bad offenses, bad defenses, you see a line out there. I'm sorry, you said 59 and a half for the game? Correct. Yeah, correct. And you, so you got offenses averaging 17 to 20 points a game. Is this a type of game where maybe, you know, if you don't have a great feel for it, maybe you hang back in the second half and then maybe get involved with the second half bet just to maybe see how the game shakes out a little bit? Or are you the type of guy that maybe would say, hey, I also can believe in maybe going with the under in a first half situation, maybe trying to make my money there because it sort of feels like a game that's hard to sort of bet on just the straight up money line. For sure. And it is uh, tough to handicap in that way. Um, and so usually for a game like this, I would kind of sit back because, um, you know, if you don't love 15 and a half, like obviously early in the week, if you see a line that you think is going to move, you want to jump on it and take it as early as possible with this one. Um, who knows where it's going to go. So I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of the live betting and seeing a lot of times in a game like this, um, those first couple drives will tell you a lot where you go, oh, Nebraska can't stop the run, or oh no, Illinois secondary's in trouble. But you kind of mentioned it. What you do is you look for, when you've got two teams like this, you look for the areas of weakness where others can take advantage. Uh, I think Illinois can take advantage on the ground a little bit because Nebraska's giving up more than 200 rushing yards a game. And that's been Illinois' strength offensively, has been the run. So I, I do think that's a path for Illinois. Um, but Nebraska looks, you know, balanced offensively. And with this one, I, I think this is a good call where you watch a drive or two, see uh, what's actually happened, and then maybe jump on a live line because you can get such a great price after the first touchdown that, you know, a couple minutes later uh, looks, you know, really, really good. So I, I'm a big fan of in a game like this, giving it a drive or two and then, and then jumping on something live. Yeah, especially for if you're a fan of the Illini and you're looking at, you know, they got Mike Epstein and Chase Brown in the backfield. Both of them have done good things at different times. Is it a two-headed monster situation? Is one of them popping a little bit better than the other? You can kind of get a quick feel for it. So I think we're sort of saying maybe hang back a little bit, strap it in. Hopefully the Illinois, uh, the, Illini, the fighting Illini can pick up a win that week. And, you know, maybe just sort of see how the game sort of plays itself out because both those teams, I think, are struggling in areas where it's sort of hard to get a feel for. Talk about struggling. Let's move on to... Iowa versus Penn State this week. Holy moly, my wife's from Pittsburgh, so this is not, uh, this is not flying uh, super great in my household right now. Iowa's 2-2. Two and two. Penn State 0-4. Let's just start with this. Before we start talking about the lines, what's going to happen in this game, what are you seeing from this Penn State team right now that is, just seems to be struggling on so many different levels? It is. It's across the board. Um, and the number one thing I've seen is I just think Sean Clifford has taken a big step back. Uh, I know the blocking hasn't been as good as last year, but last year I saw, you know, a legit pro prospect, a guy with a, a big future at Penn State who was making big throws and big games. And now um, six interceptions already this season. There's just no life in that huddle offensively. Um, and that has been, you know, the, the biggest difference just visually to me is the way that Clifford has uh, regressed quite a bit. And then also defensively, you're just not used to seeing Penn State give up this much. And you do have to take the schedule into consideration with, uh, you know, Maryland, maybe not the worst of the Big Ten as we expected. Ohio State, obviously at the top. 
um, Indiana in the top 10. So was, there's no excuse for Penn State to be 0-4. I'm not going to sit here and nitpick opponents and say this was a tough game. But uh, when you're looking at short schedules where they've only played four games and it's all in conference, you do have to sort of over-scrutinize strength of schedule um, to this point. And so I think Penn State, you know, another tough one this week. I don't know if they're going to be able to get past the Hawkeyes at um, – I think they're plus two and a half right now. Penn State is plus two and a half in this one, which uh, I don't know. Is, I mean, that, low, I is look, that low to you? Does that feel a little low for a team that's 0-4 right now? I know the season's early, but still 0-4, that's you're, – you're a little toast. You're pretty toast I, in the Big Ten. <laughs> I was surprised to see this line. Um, and maybe, you know, some of that is people just not willing to accept that Penn State – uh, is own horn is bad. Um, Happy which, Valley uh, put in a phone call and said, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's like, exactly. And it's the same with, uh, with Michigan last week when the, you oh. know, Wisconsin's only a seven point favorite and he's looking at that line going, what? This is, oh my God. I feel like you're missing something. And then no, you weren't missing anything. It's uh, it, it, you get those lines every once in a while where you almost, you can overanalyze and say, why is it so low? Why is it like this and scare yourself off? But, with teams like Penn State, um, I do think they have a tendency to get a boost of the books that they maybe have not uh, earned on the field. Is that part of, uh, you know, obviously when they have that kind of pedigree, you're just thinking a lot of the action is going to be towards Penn State. So if you're putting up a number that just seems, you know, almost too daunting to open up your wallet for, you want to try and maybe keep it a little bit more competitive to maybe get those people that obviously want to root for Penn State in on the action? Yeah, I mean, it varies, but you know, all the odds makers will tell you that's baked in to a certain extent. Same with um, Tiger Woods' odds every time he plays in a tournament. Same with the Lakers' futures odds. Same with the Cubs' World Series odds. It's like those are those bets where, like, they're – I call them destination bets. Like, every, you know, you go to Vegas for your bachelor party or whatever, and then uh, from Illinois you might put something on the Cubs to win the World Series. It's just kind of a thing you do uh, as a sports better, um, But – you can get some really bad lines that way as we've seen uh, recently. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, look, maybe, maybe Vegas is thinking, okay, Penn State's played a tough schedule and Iowa uh, looks better than they should because they've beaten two really bad teams the past two weeks in Michigan State and Minnesota. That could very well be the case. Um, but just in terms of the execution, in terms of um, the way that they're moving the ball, Penn State's actually got the better offense statistically, um, but scoring-wise, Iowa's been able to finish off those drives, whereas Penn State has struggled with a lot of turnovers, and it's just been uh, – it has been a bumpy ride in Happy Valley for sure. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens in this game. And as you've already mentioned, you know, on paper, you're looking at Iowa, they're only giving up 14.8 points per game. But like you said, the competition isn't exactly reflective of Iowa having this fantastic defense. You know, they do have a pretty good running back in Tyler Goodson. But I'm also saying that we keep talking about Penn State and their turnovers. You know, I'm looking at it. Spencer Petras is only completing 53% of his passes right now. He's got four interceptions in his last three games. This could turn into a situation where it could turn into a bit of a turnover off, if you will. Who can protect the football better maybe gives Penn State a little bit of a chance. And like you said, they got weapons on that side. You know, Jahan Donson didn't play great last week, but I'm looking at it, 21 receptions, 361 yards, five touchdowns in the three games prior to that to start off the season. So that guy could have a nice bounce back. You know, if you're looking at this game right here, you know, how are you 
not asking you for your pick on the game, but how are you probably trying to attack this game? Are you looking at props at this time, perhaps in this game? Are you thinking, you know, first half, second half? Are you looking at the over-under? What are some lines that are sort of sticking out to you that kind of intrigue you for this matchup? The total definitely sticks out to me um, because, again, it's, it's pretty low. It's 47 and a half, um, which is interesting because, again, these teams aren't totally inept on offense and they're not um, elite defenses either of them. So to me, that total is kind of uh, interesting. I thought we would see that in the 50s just based on what these two t- teams have done um, before that. I'm not huge on the first half lines lately. Um, it's certainly an option, but I've been I've been doing pretty well with the Big Ten totals uh, lately because you can – I mean, you know there are some teams, Northwestern being one of them, um, Ohio State being another, where they're just going to play their game and dictate it, and opponents really have a hard time getting them out of that, sort of like Indiana uh, used to do um, in Bloomington when they would just run all over the place and do that dink and dunk, and it was going to be a total in the 60s or 70s no matter what. Um, so you try to find, you know, at least I do when I'm looking at totals, I try to find that team where I just go, okay, no matter how this plays out, they are going to be able to dictate uh, the pace and, and turn this into the type of game that they want to make it. And before we move to the final two games on our slate for this Big Ten, these Big Ten matchups this weekend, I just want to ask you for all the, the betting banshees out there that listen to Betting Chicago you know, what type of guy are you typically, you know, people have different philosophies and principles when it comes to hedging. Um, you know, are you the type of guy that has a conviction and once you place your, you know, once you place your pieces on the board, you kind of let them ride out. Are you a guy that, that sometimes will advocate for a better to maybe get in on some live betting situations to hedge and possibly, you know, cover your bets? Or are you the type of guy that goes, these are my bets. I'm not going to hedge. I'll just find other areas from different games to try and make back what I think could possibly be, you know, a loser. Yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a hedge guy um, because I think if you're going to do that where you are live betting and doing all these things where you're taking a game multiple ways, uh, you have to really know what you're doing and you have to be very uh, strict about when you get that in and what price you're getting it in at. Um, it's You can just spiral out of control very quickly unless you have a strong uh, game plan, a good analytical mind, and, and could stick to it. So um, I generally stay away from that. I do try to – I'll try to catch the middle every once in a while um, and take a second half line if the first half has gone really well and try to uh, hit the bet on both ways. Um, maybe in the event of, like, if a team I've got is covering by two scores but they've had uh, two lucky turnovers or something like that, then I might try to catch the middle on that game. But – other than that, uh, nothing crazy, just sort of meat and potatoes, uh, find the lines that you like ahead of time. I, I do like jumping in on the live as kind of a, uh, I don't want to say distraction, but as, you know, just as a, a secondary thing to do while you're watching the other games play out. Uh, but mostly just uh, try to catch the middle every once in a while. I'd say I like um, my fair share of underdogs, but not, and it's been different this year with the, with the COVID and the Big Ten and everything. Um, so yeah, nothing too, uh, nothing too fancy. Just make good picks and sit back. That's a great advice from an expert. Cause I think a lot of people get in that trap of like, I got to get it back. I got to get it back. I got to get it back. And you, all of a sudden next, you know, like you said, you're spiraling and you're throwing stuff against the wall and then, yeah, then Tiger's going to win the masters. Let's, do, let's, let's, let's get it all back. Let's get all back. Uh, one quick, more general question for you. Um, what is your parlay threshold? How high 
how high do you go before you start saying to yourself, uh, this is getting a little, this is getting a little astronomical in terms of chances. Well, I've been, uh, I'll do four or five if it's like, I've been really into UFC betting lately. Um, I was never into UFC at all until the pandemic hit and then I kind of got hooked. And so now I do like the uh, four or five fight parlay cards. Um, and in terms of NFL, I'll usually do for the early, the afternoon slate, I'll do a uh, three teamer with two spreads and one money line dog. Um, Cause there's just so many upsets in the NFL and I, I like, those payouts I think are pretty good for the odds and so college football NFL I don't take it much higher than three but if we're going like uh, MMA where it's you see some minus 450 money lines in there every once in a while then I'll go four or five teams again nothing too crazy um because you can go broke doing the parlays pretty quick yeah well yeah that's another piece of advice out there once you start getting to six or seven just realize it's turning into a lottery ticket more than it actually turns into like a a well thought analytical wager uh if you will exactly you're just throwing darts and you know you are (laughs) cut it off at 17th that's enough yeah if you want those darts get a dartboard you know what i mean have yourself a nice (laughs) little time you could always do that let's go to our final two games on the slate this week we i want to save the big boy uh, which is funny. We're going to save the big boy for a second, but let's talk about that number 13 in the nation, Wisconsin team versus a number 23 Northwestern team. Wisconsin's only played two games, but you know what? Wisconsin for years now, we know that that program always comes to play. Their offense is awesome. And Northwestern, a little fun fact that you don't know about me. Obviously I went to college at a performing arts school. I went to Columbia college in Chicago broadcast journalism. So I didn't have a, I don't have collegiate sports ties except for the Northwestern Wildcats. Grew up in Evanston, went and saw the games, you know, the Darnell Autry, the Pat Fitzgerald, when he was on the field, not coaching on the sideline kind of guy. So these are my boys right here. I'm not going to push you too hard to try and convince me how the Wildcats are going to win this game, but I don't know. How do how, Let's start like this. How can the Wildcats possibly win this game this weekend? What would they have to do? Well, they've got to uh, take care of the football. Um, That's number one, because if you look at their turnover margin, they're plus four, but they've given it up a lot too. Uh, I think they've had um, four interceptions maybe from Peyton Ramsey, and they've they've coughed it up a couple times too. The thing is they they force a lot of turnovers. That secondary is one of the best in the country, in my opinion. They've got eight picks on the year. They've also forced two fumbles. So – Number one uh, for me is just control the ball. Don't give it away because I've spent uh, many in 11 a.m. mornings at that uh, press box up in Northwestern. And you can see uh, there were games at times where Northwestern had a path and there was just too many self-inflicted mistakes. Uh, So far this year, we haven't seen Northwestern do that. I I really like this game. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think it's a fascinating matchup. Um, Wisconsin is a – seven and a half point favorite, I believe, which again, good line. They've looked really good, but Illinois and Michigan, eh, who knows? Uh, This is because Wisconsin has had uh, such a significant layoff, I think makes it even more intriguing. And just another, you know, last week was a big one for the cats. They were one of my best bets last week and got it done. Huge win. Yeah. Yep. Um, And could have done it decisively. You know, they let up a little on the back end, uh, but no, big, big, big time win in each one from here. Uh, gets bigger. So I think they're, they're going to show up for this one for sure. You look at the stat sheet and you see Wisconsin racked up 341 rushing yards last week against Michigan. Question for you. 
Does that say more about Michigan or something more that Northwestern's Northwestern's going to have to account for this weekend? Uh, I, I think it's more about Michigan in this specific case because you know if Northwestern was um, like average or not good against the run, then um, I'd say you look at it a different way. But I, I don't think Northwestern needs to be too concerned. They've been so good against the run already this year. I think they've only given up um, like 90 yards on the ground or something like that, and have played uh, you know some legit teams with Iowa. And I mean, how good does that 43-3 win over Maryland look now with all that, uh, that they've done the past couple of weeks. So I think Northwestern has played a tougher schedule than, than most teams. And uh, that run defense, I feel like it's, you can trust it. It doesn't go away necessarily the, the, when you step up in competition. Um, that's something that usually translates no matter the opponent. So I, I think they can really step up. Um, and, you know, Wisconsin, of course, Jonathan Taylor's gone, but believe it or not, they've got, Multiple guys coming more, up. More you know, coming in the cupboard, yeah. <laughs> never believe it. But, yeah, here comes uh, Watson out of nowhere with two scores. And, uh, yeah, they've got, uh, they got yeah. tailbacks in Madison. They, they had five different players with 60 yards or more rushing last week. Yeah. So they've got some dudes that can tote the rock and move it along. And, look, I, you know what? I'm a, I'm a wildcat. Uh, you're not going to say it because you're keeping, you're keeping your picks over at bookies.com. But, everyone, you should head to bookies.com because I'm calling backdoor cover in this game. I think Wisconsin can win, but let's be honest. I think at seven and a half, I don't know. That's just juicy enough for me to think that if they're down 13, 14 somewhere, get that touchdown, maybe make it interesting, lose by six, somewhere in that area, you could perhaps make some money, even if the Wildcats do pick up their first loss of the season. And I tell you, there is nothing better for me personally than the memories of me growing up and getting like a Captain Nemo sub, taking it down to Evanston, and just sitting on those hot bleachers on a sunny day and just watching whatever, like Dwayne Bates, like catch a bunch of passes, you know what I mean, down there. And uh, it's one of Trevor my favorite Semyon memories. running wild. And- yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's my stuff. Like, yeah, Steve Schnurr, bring it on. <laughs> and, uh, no, those are my guys. So really tough matchup. Question for you. If Northwestern wins this game, I mean, do they get into the top 15? I mean, I know a lot of other things kind of need to happen, but do you see that kind of a jump or would it perhaps be a little bit more like in the 18 to 20 area? I think that puts them in the top 15. I mean, it's not like there are a lot of uh, elite teams in college football this year, seemingly. I mean, you've got, I'd say, four or five that are really solid and above the rest. And after that, it's kind of seems like the middle of the pack is is bunched up. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them move up to the 15th spot, especially if uh, you get a couple more upset losses, which have been uh, commonplace as always this year. So I, I think Northwestern deserves respect already with what they've done um, starting 4-0 against some, some good competition. But yeah, if they, if they win this one, I, I think uh, Pat Fitzgerald and crew are going to be getting a whole lot of love uh, across the country. Yeah, it's an excellent matchup. I can't wait. Let's go to the final game. And honestly, I'm, I'm just calling it. I think this is perhaps the best game in the Big Ten going this weekend because Indiana, number 10, I repeat, number 10 in the nation, Indiana at 4-0, taking on number three, Ohio State. Let's just start here before we get into the numbers. In your opinion, how is Indiana doing this? You know, it's really weird because they're doing it in ways that, like, we've never seen before. You think Indiana, you think the crazy offense and, uh, you know, winning shootouts. But this year, uh, offensively, they're pretty average. And 
defensively, they've been really, really strong. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're in the top five in total defense. I want to say number four, maybe, um, against, uh, you know, again, some decent teams. And um, it's weird. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Penix has been very, very good under center, throwing for over 1,000 yards and nine picks or excuse me, nine touchdowns, um, taking care of the football with only three picks and balanced offensively. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's a completely different approach than we're used to seeing, but it's, it's working so far. And I think earlier I said they played uh, a, a strong schedule, which I'd like to take back. I was, <laughs> I was forgetting that they, uh, the past couple of weeks have gone Michigan and Michigan State, um, which, you know, any tour through the state of Michigan college football this year, is a, a vacation basically. Oh, you're walking out with W's, yeah, as parting <laughs> gifts out of the state. <laughs> yeah, they are they are down this year. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's very interesting to see Indiana like actually winning with defense. Uh, but they've got their work cut out for them this week for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Indiana fans out there are going to be geeked and jacked up for this game. And as you mentioned, you know, I think Penix has 662 passing yards over his last two games. A key to a victory probably would be Ty Freifogel playing like he did last week, 11 catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. If they get anything similar to that, maybe they're going to be able to hang into this game. But let's talk about an Ohio State team and Justin Fields. And I'm just pulling up some of Justin Fields' stats. And I'm just going to, like, you know, read a couple and see. He's already got in three games, 11 passing touchdowns, two rushing. His last two games, he's completing 83% of his passes with nine passing touchdowns. And here's my favorite one. So far, if through three games, he has not thrown an incompletion in the first quarter yet. He's 19 of 19 in the first quarter of games. So if you're a team like Indiana and you're like, hey, we got to get off to a good start. We got this defense. We got to slow down Justin Fields. We got to stay in this game early and get the momentum. Well, Justin Fields is still waiting to throw his first incomplete pass in the first quarter of a game. So those are, I mean, yeah, those are ridiculously good numbers. The, the completion percentage, if, uh, if it holds, would be an NCAA record all-time. I think uh, Colt McCoy is still the all-time leader there. Joe Burrow came really close last year um, to catching him as well. But, yeah, I mean, look, he's been doing this for two years now, and last year um, had some help from J.K. Dobbins. But anyone who watched and knew that that RPO was just as much about Fields doing what he did than the threat of him rushing – as it was Dobbins. Um, so he's been spectacular um, and maybe doesn't have quite as much help offensively this year, but still more than enough with Olave, Garrett Wilson um, in terms of receiving targets. And then the kind of got like a two back system with Teague and uh, Sermon sharing carries. Uh, so it, it is, it's, it's certainly not as much of a, a one-man band last year as it was with Dobbins just kind of taking over in crunch time. It's everyone pitching in and then Fields, um, yeah, being pretty special with putting the ball on the money where it needs to be. And that instills confidence in the entire offense. So they've been, um, you know, they didn't cover last week against Rutgers, which was a tough, tough spread. But other than that, um, they've been pretty good at the betting books the last two years as well. And this one, uh, line is minus 20 and a half, which, I think it's fair because this offense, as we've seen, even if it's a three-point game going into the fourth quarter, just boom, boom, boom. They can rip them off and they can score. So 20 and a half, um, it'll be interesting for sure. What's the point total in the game? The point total, I believe, is 66 and a half. Let me uh, – yeah, 66 and a half. 
so expecting some fireworks, certainly. Ooh, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, minus 20 and a half, that's such a big number. Um, but I'm with you. You know what I mean? This is uh, what, the Ohio State and Indiana is off to a great start. But could this possibly be, you know, a bit of the, you know, what, is, what do you want to call it? The carriage turning into the pumpkin situation. Just a little bit for an Indiana team that's off to a great start. But now you're playing one of the big boys out there. Ooh, minus 20 and a half. I don't know. If I'm an Indian, I mean, that number is very high. But if I'm an Indiana fan, I'm oh, kind of saying, I'm saying screw it, right? Yeah, give me the cover on that, please. Yeah, Bloomington bookies are going to have their hands full of uh, Indiana tickets this week. Four and zero and getting twenty points—you don't see that. And again, it's not like you know four and zero in non-conference. I mean, say what you will about Rutgers and the state of Michigan, but it's not like they're playing uh, Utah State or you know some ridiculous non-conference schedule. It's legit games and getting—you're <laughs> giving three touchdowns. Four and zero is pretty—that's pretty wild. Yeah, in terms of kooky uh, college football analytics mathematics, if Indiana covers in this game and they lose, they still stay in the top twenty-five, in your opinion, correct? I mean, could, I, I mean, I, I'll actually let me rephrase that. They'll probably stay in the top twenty-five no matter what. I would guess at least for one more week. But would they maybe even stay in the top twenty if they could cover? I mean, it, this just feels like it could be the type of loss that doesn't hurt a team as badly as some other teams might, you know, if they were to lose a game. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen it from Ohio state all year, no matter who they play, you know, it's, it's not a moral victory situation, but you certainly sliding don't scale go, of the, yeah. You don't go into the horseshoe expecting a win. Um, and I think you do let that one slide certainly. Um, and, and I would keep them in the top 15, unless it's just a complete, you know, 49, nothing, something stupid, then maybe, you consider dropping them and say, all right, Indiana's a fraud. But um, if it's competitive in terms of staying within that uh, point spread and not going too far in either direction, uh, yeah, I think they deserve to stick around because they also, too, that, that first win over Penn State was such an incredible overtime and such an incredible last-minute play that I think that kind of sticks in people's minds, too, um, for, for this season. So. Yeah, I, I like Indiana's chances um, at staying in, win or lose, unless it's ugly, which we'll see. What's the Indiana money? Indiana money line is plus 800 if, uh, if you're really feeling saucy. Ooh, wow. I mean, yeah, that's, that's that, I mean, yeah, that's a payday, right? I mean, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty solid. I mean, it definitely gives a little bit of the respect to the specter of it can happen. But also Could it's a nice enough number where you can make a nice little, a nice little coin off that too as well. Yep, right in the sweet spot there. Dan Kilbridge from bookies.com, one of the head experts there at the website. I'm going to get you out here and one more question. You got a Cubs banner adorned beautifully right behind you. We just found out the news today that Theo Epstein is stepping down one year early. His contract was going to run through 2021. He's stepping down as president of operations for the Chicago Cubs. Jed Hoyer is taking over. You know, just your reaction to that type of news and what you think that might have in store for the Cubs moving forward. Well, I think we're going to see big changes uh, for the Cubs moving forward with Rizzo and a bunch of guys um, entering contract years. Uh, that payroll is going to be tough. But we were always heading in this direction at some point. The reckoning was going to come, and you could not continue to pay Javi, Chris Bryant, um, all these guys. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting times ahead. But I was kind of, you know, when I heard the news today, I was thinking about uh, where the Cubs were when Epstein came on board and basically the cupboard was completely empty. 
And he straight up said, like, told the Tribune, do not expect to be competitive for the next year or two. We're just going to build up the farm system. Um, I can't even remember, God, who was the manager, they, the lame duck they hired? Uh, well, they had Dale Swaim. Dale Swaim, yep, that was, that was my guy. Um, so, yeah, just think about like, what they had then as opposed to where they are now. It's incredible, not only the way the franchise has changed, but just structurally the outside of Wrigley Field now. I don't know if you've been there. Uh, since they did all the you know plaza stuff around it and the restaurants, it's um, R.I.P. to that Taco Bell on the corner. That, oh, uh, please don't! And the Seven uh, Eleven, McDonald's, I know yeah, the whole deal, man. Those were those were the spots. Those were the spots when you were not making the best choices in your life, and then you were going in and you were just spending all your money on uh, cheesy gorditas. I'll that was the forget. one good decision you made all night, always. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After uh, Mel Rojas blew another save or like Rick <laughs> Aguilera uh, coughed up another one. I'm right, I'm right there with you, and I'm really just curious to see what the move is because I'm with you. I think that there is a big move coming. And Unfortunately, in terms of this window, yeah, we're, we're, we're past the days of Nate Scherholz, you know what I mean, all that stuff when he first took over. But I am curious now if Jed's going to get his own three- to four-year, hey, back off, let me do this. And that pushed up against the threshold of this plaza. And eventually I think all sports want to have fans in the stands. Hopefully next year in 2021, I'm an optimistic person. And that threshold of wanting to blow that out and have the hotel and everyone coming around – with a team that's rebuilding, the timing feels just a little strange. And unfortunately, what happened was I thought that they, I think the Cubs thought that their homegrown guys were going to stay on the cheap and keep getting better. Unfortunately, they sort of hit their ceiling talent and potential wise. And we just never went out and we could say what we want. We've spent money. Don't get me wrong. But we just never really played with the big boys. You know what I mean? You Darvish and Jason Hayward, honestly, in the, the Cubs winning era, you know, John Lester goes right before that. But in the Cubs winning era, when you're like, hey, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, who's the top name? We're going to go get it. We're the Cubs. They never really did that, did they? You know, they kind of no. waited until the market came down on Darvish. They pounced on Jason Hayward. But other than that, especially the last couple of years, I don't want to say pinching pennies, but they're printing money over there right now. So for them to say that they need to, like, do some salary uh, reconstruction, I can totally understand that. But it's just kind of shame. I'm just really curious to see who is on the team next year and what the value that they can get in return and whether they can be competitive next year. Yeah. And I mean, they've been looking for a leadoff guy ever since Dexter Fowler left. They're, they're just holes that have not been addressed. And like you said, the, the assumption was always, even if they got, you know, they started off slow, having a bad year, the assumption was always, all right, our bats are going to wake up. These, you know, the offense will come to life. And as we saw in October the past couple of years, it uh, it never did. So I'm not – I'm very thankful for uh, everything we got to watch in 2016. And um, just being competitive again has been awesome, watching meaningful games. But it does feel like – leaves a little bad taste in your mouth the past couple of years, really feeling like you let the window shut um, much quicker than it needed to and didn't capitalize on nearly as many opportunities uh, as you could have during that time. And it's just painful when you have Schwarber, Rizzo – Baez and Chris Bryant basically all hit 200 this season. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's these are our heroes. These are the guys that have the memories burned into our brains. It feels very similar to the Blackhawks. Like I'm a I'm a greedy dude, right? You know, once you win that first World Series, you kind of want the next one. If you win two or three cups, you kind of want one more. And that's the greediness in me is like, man, I just want to see Kane and Taves on the ice in the Stanley Cup just one more time. The same way I would love to see 
you know, Rizzo hitting a curveball deep into a chilly night in October, you know, taking them deep into the playoffs. But I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get that. No, Blackhawks are in trouble again, aren't they? Yeah, same stuff. I mean, they've been in salary cap hell for about six years now. They can't get out of it. The problem with them was Kane and Taves, when they were going to sign their deals, they were actually going to sign smaller deals for, like, money annually. And then the players' union got to them and was like, hey, dude, you're not doing that, by the way. You guys are taking top dollar. You're the biggest stars in the game. We have enough problems playing our players. So if our best players in the game take a discount, that looks terrible in the rest of the league. You're not doing that. And, of course, they signed for these mega, mega deals. And, and it's been totally worth it, but it's just completely screwed up the Blackhawks' salary cap. And they just don't have that extra million or two to get that defenseman, that blue line guy that can help them out on the year-to-year basis. Yeah. But, hey, man, we still got the Bears. <laughs> we still got the Mitch Trubisky Bears. Uh, Dan Kilbridge, thank you so much for joining on the pod today. It was such a pleasure having you on as guest. Hope to have you back sometime again soon. That would be really great. Everyone, make sure you go to bookies.com and check out their website. They're giving you top-notch, top-shelf expert advice on how to gamble, especially with the Big Ten. Some big games coming up this weekend, so if you want to get your wagers right, you better head to bookies.com. Dan Kilbridge, thank you so much for joining, man. It was a real pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Joey, for having me, man. Appreciate it. No problem. This was Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for tuning in. We got plenty more amazing pods coming up the rest of this week, so make sure you check those out. Until then, be safe, be well, be good to each other, and we will talk then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.